100% moving all of this because Is that our safe one now? <laughs> cutting, cutting. Obviously cutting you have to cut that, obviously. Oh. We are better people than this and I am not doing this. Okay. I'm the better one. <laughs> I'm the one who's in abject horror. I'm good now, okay. You know, for one reason or another, things just don't make it into the episode. And so that's where I created the cutting room floor. And you think by now I'd have that down pat, but no, I did that four times already. You know what I need? I need some Tim Curry. Let's do another like 15 seconds of just Tim Curry. Ready? Here we go. So, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. I absolutely needed that. I I can't express. When am I going to have the opportunity again? You know, like honestly, unless I, unless I start including sweet transvestite into most recordings, it, it just doesn't fit. Take a listen to some extended conversations that I have with Allison Chains. We discussed audience participation, her drag aesthetic, and how Rocky Horror fits into all of it. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> but not the symptom. <laughs> <laughs> well, so if anyone doesn't know that's listening to the podcast, like the, describe your drag. So Allison Chains is. Oh, um, I always, my Facebook bio puts it probably the most like PR succinctly where I okay. call myself a, um, a mock star antisocialite. Cause I like <laughs> the idea of being like a rock star. And I like the idea of being a socialite, mm-hmm. like both of those things really intrigue me. Mm-hmm. And like, I am a musician and I really enjoy the rock star lifestyle, but like, I'm not like the typical things you would think of when you think of like a vintage hard partying rock star necessarily. Mm-hmm. And in terms of being like an anti-socialite, I feel like I'm very countercultural to all the things that like high society socialites of like the sixties forward would be. So I'm just kind of, um, like a just like a punk vintage weirdo um very theatrical Mm -hmm. um kind of filthy i talk a lot (laughs) Um, (laughs) same yeah i would just consider myself like a personality that's for sure amazing and so where does rocky horror fit into that aesthetic it's been very influential on my drag simply because of more of its like ethos than its aesthetic the whole um you know rocky horror is like a, an experiment in individuality and um shows like the power of subculture not only in terms of the plotline of the movie itself but in terms of the like niche cult that's grown around it um it's it's just like such a shining example of the fact that you can really do whatever you want it's this like gender sexuality anarchy which i really appreciate it conforms to no rules it's not uh it's not what you would think of as beautiful but it's gorgeous do you know what i mean it's yeah i it's it like it's influenced me very heavily (laughs) in terms of just how i think about um queerness and sexuality outside of just drag absolutely so of, of all the scenes in this film like which is the most powerful to you Oof. Um, God, that's so tough. Cause there's so many that I really love. Like my list would be completely different 
for aesthetics versus content. Okay. Like aesthetically, one of my favorite scenes is like the very short cutaways where Magenta and Columbia are in the bedroom. Oh yeah. And they have like big blown up photos of Eddie on the walls and like all the tell us about it, Janet. I find <laughs> those scenes like aesthetically really gorgeous. And maybe it's because it's like um like a something you can't have kind of thing where it's like, I wish there was more of this in the movie. Like you only get to see this room a couple times the same way. I really love the Zen room. There's something about that cutaway where they see Dr. Scott on the cameras and Frank is just like, well, then he must be in the Zen room. And it just cuts to it for a second. And it's this really ornate room with sitar music playing. Yeah. I love those. Yeah. But I feel like the parts that resonate with me the most in this movie, like I think I probably cried the first time I saw the floor show, like maybe, um, like it's possible I can't remember directly but I remember it really moving me like I remember just finding it so like overwhelmingly moving for some reason well not for some reason I know exactly why because it was it was performance and it was sex like it was all these people in this pool um and then it was them getting up and doing this rock and roll number and like I don't know that really really took me like that really like yeah that would probably be it but also i don't know the entire sequence in the in the lab like really stands out for me too when he's like creating rocky and like speaking to um speaking to the party guests like that that really takes me i love that set so much and I just love watching uh, Frankenfurter chase after Rocky with his like <laughs> in his heels, lifting it's his little like. So good. So good. He just, uh, just everything about just it. Just running amazing. up and down those ramps to sort of Damocles. Like, yeah. Amazing. And then later in the, you know, later when he's turning everyone to statues with the, um, the sonic transducer and you get to see, um, uh, you get to see little Nell's nipples through her um, pajamas, you know, like classic. <laughs> I rewinded those scenes a lot or nipples are coming out of her corset. Like those yeah. had a lot of rewind value for me. Yeah. There's a lot of like, it's funny because there's a lot of nudity, but only like as an example, Susan Sarandon, not enough, not enough. <laughs> uh, but Susan Sarandon refused to do like, she was, a, they originally asked her if she would do touch me in the nude. And she said, absolutely not. And what yeah. I found was so funny is that Columbia was wearing the exact same outfit as Janet, but uh-huh. Where whereas Columbia's tits were out during that floor yeah. show, Susan Sarandon had a a boa around her her arms, mm-hmm. and it's obvious that she was trying to cover up just enough that she wasn't just tits out <laughs> completely. Oh my god! Whereas little Nell just didn't give a shit, which At I love. All. Yeah, and that's just again that just shows not only the character, but if you love something enough, you're like, yeah, fuck, tits are out. <laughs> like let's do this yeah. like that's a just absolutely 100 so another thing i want to ask is so speaking of like audience participation so you've done viewing parties um at the theaters for this movie in particular correct i've actually never shown this movie so i've really? done four years of those screenings yeah, yeah i've done um yeah i think november 2019 i think was four years because we did we did November at the Review Cinema, then we didn't do December, and then January 2016, I think we started at the Royal. Um, and uh, <laughs> I had a standing rule, and like what it is for anyone listening that hasn't been or doesn't know is that it's um, myself and usually a guest um, getting drunk and stoned and doing live commentary over entire films, <laughs> here, which is super fun. It sounds amazing. Um, but I had a rule. I had a rule for, thank you. I had a rule for a long time that was uh, no Mean Girls and no Rocky Horror. Um, yeah. Really? And I, 
Yeah, and people are always shocked to find that. But it's also, it's A, because I respect the people who do shadow cast productions of Rocky yep. Horror so much. And mm-hmm. in Toronto, that is like a really big thing. And the shadow cast production of Toronto um, has like historically been amazing. And for a long, long time, I don't know if it's still the case, but for a long time, they were a cast entirely of women, which I found very, very cool. Um, but I never really wanted to take away from the shadow cast productions by doing like my own commentary on it but also like all the things that can be said about that movie for the most part have been said and I don't really want to talk over the whole thing do you know what I mean like there are a lot of movies I want to talk over but with Rocky Horror it's like you know everything I'm gonna say you could possibly have heard someone say before yeah this is I don't want to go into like (laughs) Yeah, and I don't want to go into, like, in-depth critical analysis like this, have these long conversations while a movie's playing. Like, yeah. the things that I love to talk about with Rocky Horror are far beyond, like, the small things I could say over it during a movie. Yeah, the little commentaries um, you can have, like, in the little yeah. moments. Yeah. But I always just felt like me just doing commentary would kind of be underselling it because yeah. of the, like, m- massive rich history of midnight showings and, um, like, shadow cast and dress-up productions. Like, I absolutely have faith that our audience would have loved it and dressed up and been really into it. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like if I wasn't producing my own full shadow cast, I wouldn't have felt right doing it. And then I also would have felt weird producing a whole separate shadow cast while the shadow cast already exists in Toronto. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like... Had, I, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had a pipe dream for years. And I'll say this now so no one copyrights it. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I was gonna tr- finally like make it my project this year to do it because um, I've just never been able to find space. But my dream is to put on an entire um, drag show uh, with a band that is like the entire Rocky Horror soundtrack live, where yeah. all of the songs are performed concert style by drag performers who are also musicians. Oh, that would um, be amazing! So. So it wouldn't be acted at all. It would just be like number after number after number. And then there would be like interludes in the in-between. I would have Judy Virago make videos from New Zealand and send them in to be played on a projector as the criminologist. Like I've had this whole thing planned out in my head for years. There's a Polyphonic Spree album actually where they do Rocky Horror Live. And it's pretty incredible. It's really cool. And it kind of gave me an idea of like doing this as a concert could be amazing. That sounds amazing. My... My well, thank you. My like ideal for it would be like the Great Hall at Queen and Joker Court because I yep. love that space so much. Mm-hmm. And I would have a chorus of people up in the balconies and like, um, yeah, I have this like it's like my production white whale. Like it's yeah. the show I would love to produce the most is to do like an entire Rocky Horror Live concert for Halloween one year. Well, I gotta ask. So, uh, if it wasn't for COVID, like, what's stopping you? Like, what what what's prevented you from doing it? It sounds like a fin- like a phenomenal idea. I wouldn't want to do it in a small venue. Um, I think, like, the idea is too fun to do in a small venue. Like, I would want to, like, sell at a theater to do it. And I have confidence that I could, honestly. Mm -hmm. I Um, do, too. The other thing is finding people who... Well, thank you. Finding people who are willing to put that much time into projects is also really difficult. And, like, a show like this will require, like, a lot of rehearsal and a lot of tech. So um, building a team like that can be um, difficult, but mostly it's COVID. And, like, honestly, it's been my own restrictions, too. Like, I moved um, October of last year and really, like, changed my life around in, like, a really big way. Positive um, way? Which was, fanta- which was fantastic. But there's also... Okay, so, Stefan, I have mm. to tell you. Yeah. There's this massive theater at mm-hmm. my corner. 
that's opening in Parkdale oh. called the Parkdale Hall. Yeah. And it's going to be a 600 person venue. And it's a massive old converted movie theater that's been there since like the 1920s. And it's gorgeous. Like I've been walking by and looking at the renovations and it's gorgeous. Yeah. And I was out um, for a walk with, uh, with my friend Champagne. Um, and we were walking by and some of the dudes that are working on it were just out back because we were actually looking at this shitty house next to it. And <laughs> yeah. we all started talking about it. And I was like, so what are you guys doing in here? And he was like, yeah, it's going to be called Parkdale Hall. It's going to be a 600 person venue. And it's just like, so cool to see something opening in Toronto. Yeah. As opposed to the things we love closing. Yeah. <laughs> and like uh, having just these like amazing fantasy dreams of mm-hmm. being able to put things on mere like mere steps from my event in that venue. That sounds amazing. And it would be gorgeous. So like maybe that will be the place that it finally happens, you know? Well, that'd be exciting. I mean, what a what an intro to that building, right? Like to have such a huge yeah, event. seriously. The best way to watch this movie is with people, either yeah. in a big movie theater group setting, so you can all enjoy it as an audience, or with someone who is so in love with this movie that they can point out every possible thing to you, and you can yeah. see it through their eyes just for that, like just well, for that shit, couple maybe hours. Maybe I do need to do this movie at the theater because you just described two things that I'm very into for this movie. So. <laughs> Well, but it seems that also it's just you have such a respect for this film that you wouldn't really want to do. like, yeah. So I, I totally understand like I, that aesthetic of, of like, I don't want to, uh, I want to make sure that everyone sees this as perfectly as I see it. And if it yeah. doesn't go right, you know, I understand. And and like you said, the you have the respect for uh, the shadow cast and all that other stuff. So yeah, it, it, it makes sense. Well, hopefully like fingers, fingers crossed Halloween next year. It's like, I've really gotten my shit together a lot in the last year in terms of me learning how to adult which sucks but i feel like everyone's kind of in the same boat because like i i went right from art school to doing drag which is like not a like smart trajectory i know the story (laughs) Um, i get it i went to art school too and then i started doing like it's it's hard because when you're supposed to be an adult you're supposed to be an adult and you're supposed to get all your shit together but you have all this creative needs that give these outlets like i need to do these things i want to create i want to perform i want to be in front of an audience or i want to you know all these things but you're supposed to have a nine to five and you're supposed to have your rent paid you're supposed to do all these things you're like well what It gets really difficult, you know? I, I like, had to really reconcile, like, my life as an artist Mm -hmm. so often. I joke a lot when people ask about this that I'm, like, it was the stupidest thing ever when I got fired from my last normal job to just say, I'm going to do drag full-time now. And that was, like, spring of 2013. But Mm -hmm. I look back at that, and all I think of my 22-year-old self at the time who did that was, like, the bull's on you, babe. (laughs) Because you're only going to be 22 once. Like, that's the thing is, like... I'm turning, True. I'm turning 30 on, like, my birthday's on Halloween, so um, oh, in a matter of <laughs> moments, weeks, and I'm really excited about it. Like, I don't, you know, I, I feel like people make a really big deal out of 30, and I'm like, I don't know, I've really packed a lot into my 20s, and I'm really proud of a lot of the things that I've done, so. It's it's a different, It's it, I'll tell you right now that you do feel different going into your 30s. Um, compared to what you did in your 20s because that your 20s and i've always said this your 20s is that time where you're supposed to learn who you are and find your way and make those mistakes and stumble and you're still absolutely 
able to do that in your thirties, but yeah. by your thirties, you know, all the things that, okay, this did not work then for X, Y, Z. So you have a better understanding as to, well, what's important and what can I do and how can I organize myself and how can I have this time and how can I be an artist? I'm 35. I just turned 35 and I'll say oh, the past, thank you. <laughs> I'll say the past five years have been more beneficial to me growing up than it was yeah. all of my twenties. I had a blast wow. in my twenties, but if I could go back and meet my like 25 year old self, I'd be like, Oh no. <laughs> like, it's one of those like, Oh, That's choices. So, so many choices, like aesthetic alone. <laughs> okay. So that was the cutting room floor for this week. My thanks go out to Allison chains for joining me on that adventure. If you like this episode, amazing. If not, there's nothing I can do for you. I, I wish you all the best. You can find me, S-J-M-A-R-O-N-I, that's S-J Maroney, on Instagram. For more content for Rebel Without a Closet, that's R-W-A-C-P-O-D, also on Instagram. We'll be back this Saturday for the... <laughs> Let's just say it took us a long time to get here, and uh, I'm never going to hear the end of it. It's Death Becomes Her. It's finally happening. I figured this would make more sense to put it into our Halloween episode, and not because it was a terrible first recording. <laughs> I'm getting in so much trouble for that. I'll talk to you then. <laughs>